Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. All right, how good it is to see you uh, here in the middle of summertime. I tell you, I don't know about this crazy weather. Uh, but uh, I'm enjoying it anyway. Sure enjoy the singing tonight. It's so good to be back at First Baptist Palmetto. We've uh, missed y'all, and I have to pray every time I come down here that I won't join the church, so uh, mess up things up there in LJ. <laughs> no, I always thoroughly enjoy the music and uh, singing, and I tell you, y'all got something here that you don't really realize that you've got, you've really got something, and I sure do appreciate uh, this church and the opportunity to come and be back with you these three nights. Uh, I asked Jimmy, was it all right? Was I dressed okay? And he said, yeah, that's okay. And uh, wore this red shirt in case, you know, just in case. If the message don't go over, at least uh, maybe you'll like the shirt or something. <laughs> Get older, uh, Vance Havner says you suffer from the four B's and we have to do a lot of things to Help ourselves, uh, four B's uh, are bunions, bulging, bifocals, and then baldness for a lot of folks. But uh, I've got three out of the four, so. Uh, and I'm on blood pressure medicine, and uh, it don't take much to tick me off, so. <laughs> so, uh, so don't mess with me these three days that I'm with y'all. <laughs> uh, it's always a joy to be among the, the Lord's people and just rejoice in the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that what it's all about? When we're saved, the Bible says we're justified. And then we're in the process of being sanctified. And when we get to heaven one day, fully, completely finished work of God will be glorified. So sanctification is learning how to enjoy our justification. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And that seems like that's the hardest thing for us to learn, how to enjoy and appropriate our justification. We're saved as much as we'll ever be from the sense of our justification. Paul said there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus the Lord. And the word now that he uses is present tense. It means now and tomorrow and next week and forever. There is therefore no condemnation. So we need to learn how to relax and enjoy that and praise the Lord and live like He wants us to live. I love the theme, uh, uh, fanning the flame. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Old Testament scholars here, when God established uh, the uh, tabernacle, gave all the plans and blueprints to Moses and all of that, one thing that they had in the tabernacle was fire. Remember for the burnt offering and all of that? God provided that fire initially, and then He gave them the ministry of keeping it burning, fanning the flame. And I'm going to tell you, when God uh, does His work in our hearts and lives, uh, He builds a fire. But we, we are responsible for fanning that flame in the sense of uh, what He uh, gives us instruction to do. And I, I hope that's what we, we can do these next three nights together. We're going to talk about some things, I believe, very practical, but very 
very critical in the life of every believer as we learn truly how to fan the flame and to maintain uh, this spiritual uh, burning that uh, God places in our hearts and lives. I don't know about you, but uh, somebody said to me one time, Preacher, you ever get discouraged? I mean, you've been in this all, all your life just about it. You ever have any doubts, uh, fears, or misgivings, or you ever get down? I said, well, maybe every other day. <laughs> uh, and when I hear somebody preach, I want to, and, and when I read from the scripture, I want to know it's from somebody that has been there and has struggled just like I've struggled. And if you're here this week and uh, you come to hear something, I hope uh, you'll know that uh, you're, you're just hearing from a fellow struggler as we go along the way. Uh, I won't say anything Jimmy hadn't already said. I, you know, I've all these years, this is my 40th year in the pastorate and uh, always had, uh, we've tried to have revivals, have evangelists come and go and people will say, preacher, did, I never heard, never heard anything like that. I said, that man was the best preacher I ever heard. I said, I've been preaching on that for the seven years I've been here. <laughs> and you hadn't heard anything I said. <laughs> oh, me. So I know I'm not preaching anything Jimmy hadn't already preached. And I'm not going to say anything that hadn't already been said. But anyway, uh, I enjoy uh, saying it and saying it again. And we need to, uh, evidently we have short-term memory uh, and so the Bible just keeps on saying the same thing over and over again, I've found. How about you? It's just, uh, it comes at us from a little different angle, seems like, but it's really basically the basics of enjoying our justification. I'm reading from Philippians tonight, chapter 4, and I'm going to read just a few verses. Verse 4 through 9 in my Bible is a New King James Version of the Bible. Uh, where I come from, up in the mountains up there, sometimes if you read out of anything other than the, the sanctified KJV, you're in bad trouble. <laughs> but I, I've slid back a little bit and I've, I've uh, got a new King James. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is any praise worthy, meditate on these things. The things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the peace of God will be with you. Well, this is a final admonition of Paul to the little church at Philippi. The churches, early churches, weren't very big, you know that. They didn't meet in buildings like we get to meet in, good air conditioning like this tonight. They primarily met in houses, households, you know. And Paul wrote at this time, you remember he was in prison. 
he spent more time in jail, I think, than he did out. And uh, somebody said once Paul came into a new town and he didn't look around for the motel, he looked around to see what kind of jail they had. Because he knew eventually he'd probably wind up there. Love the story about Albert Einstein. He got on the train back in his days. They traveled mostly by train. I don't know if he ever drove. But he was uh, traveling, and the conductor came through collecting all the tickets. And he came to Mr. Einstein, and he got up and opened his briefcase and searched in his pockets and couldn't find his ticket. And the conductor said, that's all right, Mr. Einstein. said, you travel with us all the time. We know good and well who you are, and that's okay. You don't have to have a ticket. Just relax and enjoy the trip. And he sat back down, and the conductor went on down collecting everybody else's tickets. And he, he turned around and looked back, and Mr. Einstein was standing up again, searching his pockets and looking in his briefcase, looking around his seat. And the old conductor went back and said, Mr. Einstein said, it's okay. He said, don't worry about it. He said, we know who you are. And he says, I know who I am too. He says, but I can't remember where I'm going. <laughs> That's a true story. That poor fellow had some problems with memory. <laughs> but that's a problem with all of us in life. Sometimes we forget where we're going. And we forget uh, what we're supposed to be doing along the way, don't we? There's some Christian things. We wouldn't have the Bible if God didn't want to give us and instruct us and help us to understand what we do as we go along the way. And what are the admonitions that are here that are so strongly and wonderfully given to us, as Paul did to this early church in that first century. He was in prison, didn't know if he would get out or not, didn't know if he'd live or die. And this early church was worried about the Apostle Paul, as any of us would be, if our pastor had been apprehended and falsely accused and thrown into a prison like he was, and not knowing whether or not he would live or die. We would be anxious, but not Paul. I mean, if anybody should have been upset and anxious about the situation, Paul should have been one with his head in his hands and saying, Oh me, what in the world am I ever going to do? But he's not. And while he's in prison, he writes this to these people there in that church to help them and to encourage them and to and to teach them things that he had been taught himself and that he had learned along the way from the Lord. And the first verse that I read to you tonight, verse 4, is the first thing out of his mouth that I, want to, that I want to talk about right here in this passage. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And it must have been real important because he said, And again I say, Rejoice. Well, what in the world is all that about? That is, I, I preached on this some time back, and I titled it that Sunday morning just with two words with a question mark. The title of my sermon was, Say What? <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I could say rejoice in the Lord sometimes. <laughs> I could agree with him. Sometimes. There's been a lot of times in my life when I felt like rejoicing, especially as a Christian. And you, uh, I've, I've been raised in a good family. I've, I've rejoiced uh, so much in, in the blessings of being uh, born and raised in a good family, in a good home, Christian home, mother and daddy. I, and like the old fellow said, I was 
on drugs from the childhood. I was drugged to church every Sunday. You know? <laughs> but a good mom and daddy that never, uh, never gave us an option. You know, I, I never woke up on Sunday morning and thought, well, I wonder what we're going to do this morning. <laughs> I knew exactly every time the door was open, we were going to be there. And you know what, you can believe it or not, but you know, I grew up loving church and loving, uh, loving the Bible and loving, uh, what, uh, what we had at our church family. And, you know, it made, I'm just so thankful of everything else that they did for me. They gave me that. And that's, uh, that's a great heritage, I believe, with all my heart. There were six of us kids. Mother and daddy had four boys and two girls. And, and I was the number five, and I'll not bore you with a lot of my family details. I think I told you enough earlier, probably more than you wanted to hear. But uh, I was number five, the fifth pumpkin on the vine. And I'm the run of the family. I think I told you all before, all my brothers and sisters are a lot bigger than me. And, uh, and, and, and so uh, in those days, way back yonder, you know, uh, I, we wore a lot of hand-me-down clothes. And uh, my older brother was so much bigger than me, a year, only a year and a half older. Y'all saw him here one night of the revival when I was here earlier. And uh, Charles is always so big and so husky, he weighed over 10 pounds when he was born. He was half grown when he was six years old. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I couldn't wear his handyman clothes. But I remember, I remember one occasion, one summer, I had a cousin that lived over in Marietta. His name was Mike Smith. And Mike was younger than me, but he was bigger than me. And so they came to visit us one Sunday, just out of the blue, out of nowhere, and he had a whole trunk load full of clothes. He was growing so fast, he was outgrowing his clothes and everything so quickly. So, bless their heart, they brought me a new wardrobe. I mean, a brand. I mean, he hadn't worn the pants or the shirt over one or two times. Even I had some brand, I mean, some, some shoes in there that I could wear. I was so, I said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I was so happy. <laughs> I was happy when I, when I uh, uh, walked down the aisle and married my sweetheart. Uh, December the 18th, 1965, in Lebanon Baptist Church in Roswell, Georgia, uh, the old church building, it was built in the late, uh, well, not late 1800s, it was built in the early 1800s. Matter of fact, we had a balcony in, in Lebanon Baptist Church. It's about half the size of this building. We ran 37 in Sunday school. And the balcony of that church was reserved for slaves. They literally, when they came to church at Lebanon in Roswell, Georgia, the slaves had to set up in the balcony. We were married in that old church. It's, it's, since then, it has burned to the ground, and it's a sad thing. But anyway, you talk about rejoicing in the Lord always. When my, when my wife-to-be came walking down that aisle, and I was standing there with my two buddies, 20 years old, didn't know how to get in out of the dark. Uh, and yet, uh, and I was standing there, and they had placed uh, her grandmother's ferns and flowers all over up here, and... I was standing there looking at all the flowers, and my, my two buddies and the preacher said, Reuben, turn around. I said, what? They said, turn around. She's coming down the aisle. <laughs> and I, by the time I turned around, she was already almost there. But anyway, 
It's been downhill ever since. I'm t- <laughs> but, you know, I, what a wonderful time in my life. And then, of course, I could talk about our first, our children being born. And I could talk about my grandchildren. And it'd be so easy, and it has been so wonderful, to rejoice in the Lord. He's been good to me and my wife. I've pastored a total of five churches over these 40 years. And, I, you know, we've been blessed. We've never had a rotten egg along the way. Good churches. We've never been run off. And, uh, and I say, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, uh, but then I've had some times that I didn't think that it was so wonderful that I could rejoice or should rejoice in the Lord. Some sad times just like y'all. Disappointing times just like y'all. I've had church members to leave my church. I don't know why, as wonderful as I am, uh, People that I thought, boy, you know, I thought they, I thought they could make such a wonderful contribution. I, such talented, gifted people had so much to all offer and so much that, uh, you know, uh, but, uh, and I've had, uh, not all my prayers have ever been answered the way I've wanted them to be answered. How about y'all? But Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's something that we, need to develop. I, I believe it's something that, you know what I've found that when, when God gives, and this is a commandment, it is an imperative. I'm so glad the Lord put it in that form. He didn't say it was optional. He didn't say when you feel like it, when you're up on top of the pile, you can rejoice. He said, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. It must be terribly important. It must be something spiritually. It must be the very thing that will help fan the flame of our spirituality and keep us going and turn on the light in the darkness. It must be desperately important if God has stated it this way in the Bible. It must be something that I learn and understand and seek to do with all of my heart in obedience and faith. Because that's what God says to do. I've always found, when there's an imperative in the Bible, I've always found two things when God gives us this kind of imperative. Number one, when God tells us to do something like this, it means we cannot do it in our own strength. It's going to have to be something that comes from a supernatural relationship that we have as Christians in our relationship with God. It is not a human, normal, natural thing. I'm going to tell you that. Be the first to confess. And number two, this is an old cliche, but I'm going to tell you it works. When God guides, God provides. When He commands us to do something that we cannot do in our humanness, He'll always provide what we need to enable us to do what He tells us to do. Remember when Jesus came and He said to that lame man, Arise, take up your bed and walk? The man had been lame all of his life. He could not get up off that sick bed. But when Jesus commanded him to arise and take up his bed and walk, he empowered him to do exactly what he commanded him to do. And that's the same thing for you and I. Now, it's not normal to rejoice in the Lord always. It is not normal and natural. I heard the story of a poodle dog that lived in Africa. 
Have y'all heard that story? Poodle dog. I reckon his, maybe his owners were missionaries. I don't know. But he is in Africa. And he's going down through the jungle one day, just hopping along and smelling and sniffing down the trail. And he looked down further down the trail and he saw this ferocious leopard. And he thought, oh me. And all of a sudden, he saw an old bone laying off on the side of the trail. And he went over there and he got a hold of the bone. He started gnawing on the bone. And he started talking out loud. And the old leper, here he come, crouching down the trail to pounce on the dog and swallow him whole. And he got close and the old poodle dog said, Man, this is the best leopard I ever ate in my entire life. Man, alive. What a tasty, what a tasty Tasty leopard, I'll tell you, this. I can't get enough of this good leopard. And the old leopard backed up, scared him to death, ran down the trail and disappeared off. And while he was running, there's a monkey up in the tree that saw what was going on. He jumped down to where the leopard was and he said, what in the world is wrong with you? He said, that's a poodle dog. He is one-tenth, not even a tenth of your size he got no claws. He's got no fangs. He's a little old wimpy poodle dog. He said, "Any you can take him any time of the week. Says, come on and let's go back and get that sissy little poodle dog. And he rode on the back of the leopard back down the trail and the little poodle dog looked up and saw him coming. And he said, where in the world is that monkey? I sent him out two hours ago to bring me a fresh leopard to eat. <laughs> and he hadn't got back here yet. <laughs> oh, Lord. You know, you, know what, you know what the world thinks about Christianity and the way that you and I are supposed to live? They think we're a little bit wacky. They think we're pretending. They think that when we talk about the peace of God that passes all understanding, when we talk about the joy of the Lord and the strength of God, when we, when we talk about how God has helped us and has enabled us and how God will see us through and one day receive us into glory, a lot of people think we are as wacky as that little poodle dog or that leopard that the story talks about. We're not pretending. Paul didn't say pretend and act like a, you know, be a phony and rejoice in the Lord always. He, the Bible would never tell us to put on a show or to pretend that something's true when it's not true. He tells us to do what we're called to do in faith and obedience. We are to obey the Lord and we are to trust the Lord. And in rejoicing in the Lord always, then we're coming to the place to where our faith is in action and, and the light of our life begins to show and people realize that there is something to this God business and this Jesus business. And there is a reality beyond the little reality of just black and white and flesh and blood. There is a reality beyond just everyday life, and that reality is in the Lord. So it's not normal, and it's, uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, uh, people are going to think you're a little bit crazy, but uh, that's what we're supposed to do because God's called us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I love E.V. Hill. How many of y'all know? A new E.V. Hill. He's passed away in the presence of the Lord now forever. E.V. Hill says, if you come along and sometime you see me laughing and talking, 
He said it doesn't mean that I hadn't been in the storm. He says it just means that I know a storm stopper. I know the Lord that can stand and speak to the storm and speak to the winds and the waves and say, peace be still. E.V. Hill says, I know somebody that can come into my life, in your life, in anybody's life, in the midst of, of, of our turmoil, in the midst of any kind of trial and desperation that we might find ourselves in. There is somebody, and His name is the Lord Jesus, that can storm, uh, steal our stormy lives. He, that's what He's about, and that's what He can do. And I'm going to tell you, He's the only one that can truly and completely and do it in such a way that we can be healed and we can find the peace of God that passes all understanding. That's the only reason we can rejoice in the Lord, always. And again, I say rejoice. I love the Bible so much, but and I believe Paul not only wrote to the churches that he wrote to, and he wrote the biggest portion of the New Testament, as you know. He wrote to the churches, I believe with all my heart, not, not only that they might have the instruction that the Lord was inspiring him to write, but also that they might learn to love the Bible. Learn to love God's Word. David said that in the Old Testament, didn't he? I love thy Word, he said. Thy Word, he said, are a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. I love what Isaiah said last week. I tried to preach on Isaiah chapter 40, and he said, uh, uh, All flesh is like grass. I mean, the wind blows and the grass dries up and goes away. All flesh withers, goes away. But the Word of the Lord abides forever. And what do we need? What what is it that we need so desperately to understand and to get a hold of and to deeply appreciate and and to take it and and to live it and to believe it and, and, and to put it into practice? We need to understand the Word of God. And that's what Paul is saying right here. And I love the practical aspect of it. We say, well, preacher, how in the world can... What, what does Paul say? You know, any time that we read the Bible and we see an admonition like this, a commandment, you know what I've found? It's sort of like a, sort of like a, a gold mine. Up where I'm from in L.A.J. is a place up there called White Path. It's just north of L.A.J., just south of Cherry Log. <laughs> Named after an Indian chief. His name was White Path. He actually lived right there. And right in that stream right there, when you turn off 515 and go out White Path Road, the largest gold nugget that was ever found in Georgia was found right there. My wife and I lived up there three years, and every day she'd go out in the yard turning over rocks and (laughs) looking up and down the riverbed. I said... She never found any gold. You know, you know what? When you really find where gold is, you usually look around, there's you know, just gold everywhere. There's nuggets once you get in, into the right place. And I found that way with the Scripture. When, you, when we find a verse of Scripture like Philippians 4.4, 4, when you look around, you'll say, how can I possibly? How can he possibly? What is it that is here that, that 
will enable us and help us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, right here it is, verse 13, probably a verse of Scripture that you all memorized and quoted all of your life. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, that's, that's the exact uh, replica. That's, that just sort of coincides with what he says in verse 4. I can't do all things. I can't rejoice in the Lord always, uh, as he says, unless I have the strength of Christ to do this. Isn't that right? I can do all things, Paul said. I I think one of the biggest words in the Bible is this little three-letter word, all. Three-letter word. Have you ever thought about how amazing that one little three-letter word is? You know Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to those that know the Lord, to those that are called according to His purpose. We say, Paul, you mean all things? Uh, all things. I can do all things through Christ. You know, uh, I had a member of my church the other Sunday. His name's Davis. He's from North Carolina. He's one of the deacons up at our church. And he said, Preacher, he said, when you get older, you start learning a lot of four-letter words. I said, I know it. He said, like what? When? (laughs) Huh? (laughs) A lot of four-letter words. Well, there's some important three-letter words in the Bible. And, uh, And they're practical and they're so important. Let me tell you something I've learned about Jesus. And Paul obviously had learned also... Here's the essence of the whole issue of the Bible. If we don't have a true living relationship with the Lord Jesus, if we don't have that deep, wonderful, saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus, none of this is going to make sense. None of it's going to work. We live in a world my stars are living. Paul was in the same kind of world. It's always been around, I suppose. But I've never seen so many alternatives to Christianity. How about y'all? Transcendental meditation. Yoga. Naval gazing. Said, Lord, have mercy. Chanting. You know, they tell me, and I've never been to, a, to a, you know, one of these things. They say, you got to just... Clear your mind, empty your mind. Well, I'm saying my mind's already so empty. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't have to go far. But you know, or, or you start chanting all these different things. You know, well, you try chanting your your way out of a out of a a, a real life situation. In this past year, up in just where I live, in, in my small life. This last year, I've either had to preach in the funeral or I've attended the funeral of people that I've known five different suicides in my small life. Last week, we had a suicide in our church. One year ago this past, this month, had a young man commit suicide. You you try to chant your way out of a situation like that. 
You try to tell a family like that just to, just to go and to empty their minds and focus on some something another way out yonder. Let me tell you something. There's nothing, nothing in all that mess and all that garbage that can ever help anybody come to the place to where they can find what Paul is saying, where they can come to the place to where they, they, they really experience rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It is not make-believe. It is not something we've conjured up. It's something that God has given to us to help us and enable us to get along the way and to go through this old broken, upside-down, mean world that you and I are going to experience as we go along the way. And in spite of the darkness, God will give us light to show us the way. And therefore, we can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's not make-believe. It's not pretending. It's not some kind of something that mankind has conjured up. Call it whatever you may, but I'm going to tell you something. There's too much disappointment. We suffer too many storms on this planet that we live in down here. And the false remedies will never do what the Bible and what God is teaching us to do. Once you know Him, though, and you begin to know Him deeply, and you begin to walk with Him and talk with Him, and you allow Him to come into your life, and you just really, as all of us are, in this journey, you're going to find Him to be real. Because He's going to show up. Because He never leaves us or forsakes us. And that's the truth. Rejoicing always is what we're about. Paul also said, uh, you learn something special when you learn how to rejoice always in the Lord. Paul, you know... Listen to what he said in verse 12. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Now that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. Somebody said whether in Alabama or Georgia or Mississippi or New York or wherever you learn whatever state is in to be content. Oh, no. I've learned how to, how to be abased, and I've learned how to prosper. I've learned how to live. And the word is learned, L-E-A-R-N-E-D. We learn that in the process of living, in the process of trusting and walking with the Lord. We learn these things. They, they come to us uh, in this journey of faith. God helps us to grow and to develop and to mature. And I'm going to tell you, the deepness of knowing the Lord and the deepness of having the confidence and the assurance and the, and the knowledge of knowing that He is here and He is in control, regardless of how life may look, regardless how, how the situation may seem, God is still with us and He's still in control. And therefore, I can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And he tells me another thing. <laughs> he says, uh, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You say, well, preacher, how, 
What's, what, how, how do you keep the, the fire burning? How do you fan the flame? Well, right here, right here it is. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I don't know about you, I'm still learning how to pray. But boy, I tell you, I think I've learned a lot about prayer in my life. How about y'all? I got a good friend. He's in heaven now. He was a pastor. He worked for Southern Bell for a, you know, till he retired. He was a he was a big wig. He was a you know a vice president or something. And uh, the name was Tom. Ornery, not headed, made a good preacher. I was talking to Tom one day. We were talking about prayer, and I said, Tom, one of my members, the Braves, were in that playoff. Y'all remember, didn't we go one time to the World Series or something? What did we do? It's been years ago. That's when all this happened. And one of my members came and said, Preacher, is it wrong to pray that God would help the Braves to win this series? I said, let me ask Tom. <laughs> I said, Tom, what do you think about that? He said, well, God always answers prayer. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says you've got to be kidding. <laughs> Paul didn't get everything he asked for. Do you, have, have you gotten everything that you've ever asked God for? I haven't. We, we don't take no... To, to, I, we're not used to people saying no to us, you know. But you know what I find? <clears throat> Nobody else in the Bible got all their prayers answered the way they, way they thought that they should have been answered, I guess, at the time. God gives and sometimes God withholds. But if He does, and, and uh, people say, you know what people said to me down through the years, and maybe I've said it too, I've said, you know, God didn't answer my prayers. I'm saying, oh, yes, He did. He said no. <laughs> and I want to tell you something. If he says no, then that's the best answer. may not understand it. we got a bunch of folks out there that say, well, you know, all you got to do is pray. And name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. Be all yours, you know. All God, I mean, it's in the Bible. God said, whatsoever you ask in my name, you'll receive it. You know, that, there it is in the Bible. Don't you know? Don't you know? It? You know, just have faith. Uh, just have faith. And I'm saying, oh my, there's a whole lot more to this than just that little simple kind of a deal. Life's a whole lot more complicated than that. And, and let, let me tell you what I've found is most of the time, well, the Bible says we don't know how to pray as, as, as we ought. Ninety percent of the time, I don't know all the ins and outs of what I'm praying for. But he's taught us to pray, and he's taught us to pray one for another. And he's taught us how to pray, and he's taught us to come with confidence and come with boldness. And he's taught us above everything else, when we do pray, let your requests made known to God. With prayer and supplication, we'd say, Paul, what's made all the difference in your life? How is it that you can possibly be in the jailhouse looking at death and not knowing whether you'll live or die? How can you possibly say we ought to rejoice in the Lord always? 
And again, I say rejoice. He said, well, it's through prayer and supplication I've come to this place. You know what prayer is? I believe here's what prayer is. The, the, the bottom line of prayer is me coming to God and aligning my will up with His will. Isn't that what it's about? I look at the prayers in the Bible, and I, and, and I especially love the psalmist and, and, uh, and, and the way those guys prayed. Man, alive. Such honesty. Such reality. Such openness. And, you know, I used to, I used to think, well, I, I don't need to tell God exactly how I feel. People say, well, I don't need to pray. Preacher, He already knows. He knows everything. I said, but He's... He's invited us to come. It's a relationship. It's a development between Him and us. It's a reality. It's a personal, wonderful reality that God wants to hear from us. And He wants to talk to us. And He wants us to talk to Him. Does it make a difference? It makes all the difference in the world. I can tell you a hundred zillion things that I've prayed for and, and, and it's made all the difference in the world. Didn't always come in the form that I thought it would, but I'm going to tell you, when God, you know, you know what it does? Prayer brings God into our situation. I, I'm, I'm going to be through here in a second. One of my favorite passages is in Acts chapter 12, when Peter, the Bible said the church was under persecution, old Herod was the wicked king. He chopped off the head of James and he put Peter in prison in anticipation of killing him. Y'all remember? Locked him up in the prison. It was Passover time, so in order to appease the Jews, he, he didn't go ahead and execute him. He was a politician. <laughs> and there's Peter. Couldn't get out. No way humanly possible. They had four men chained on either side of them. They had him locked behind steel uh, gates and doors. And then there's one little significant commentary on that passage. The church gave themselves to prayer for Peter. And guess what happened? The Lord sent the angels. You say, well, I don't know if I believe all that stuff, preacher. Well, I do. Every bit of it. <laughs> one, old, uh, one old Puritan preacher said, uh, the angels fetched Peter, but prayer fetched the angels. Amen? I'm going to tell you, you say, preacher, you really believe that? I'm here to tell you with all my heart. Paul said, with prayer and supplication, be anxious for nothing. And the, and the Reuben Smith paraphrase is, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Somebody said, preacher, you pray about little things? I said, what's a big thing to God? <laughs> Everything's a little thing in my life to God. Yes, I pray about little things. Yes, I pray about my granddaughters. 
Yes, I pray about their education. Yes, I pray about their future boyfriends. Yes, I pray about their future husbands and everything to do with every aspect of their life. When I pray, I pray and I, and I ask God, I give Him everything because I know He wants to know everything. And He loves me with all of His heart. And that's my humanness that I'm, that I'm opening up and talking to a God that loves me in my humanity and wants to be part of every aspect, of every detail of my life. And I want Him to be also. How about you? Well, Paul closes with this, and I will too. Finally, my brethren. Y'all ever notice Paul was a Southern Baptist preacher? He said y'all a whole lot. I tried to, I've had some Northerners in my church all down through the years, and I've tried to teach them a difference between y'all, all y'all, and you all. Uh, they can't get it right. But Paul, Paul, and Paul, whenever he gets, he's like all of us preachers, he says, finally, my brethren, and he goes on for another chapter and a half. But listen to what he says right here. Finally, this is just right in this context. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did, did care, but you lacked opportunity. Uh, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, think on these things. You don't know what... Do you know what we think about all... You know what what distracts our thinking and our minds every day? This is why we're not doing a whole lot of rejoicing. We get focused... We get folk. You know what news is about? I get up in the morning, I turn on the TV, first thing I look at is the news. When I go to bed at night, you know what the last thing is? The news. And it's usually bad. If, it, if it's not bad, it's not news. <laughs> but you know what I do? I don't want to focus on that. Yeah, I'm not going to stick my head in the sand as a Christian. I, we don't go through life pretending that all this reality is not out there, do we? I'm not raising my children to say, well, you know, there's nothing bad out there. There's nothing wrong out there. There's nothing that can hurt you out there. I want them to know the reality of life, but I want them to know more so also there's another reality. And we're to meditate. We're to concentrate. We're to focus upon these things, not those things. That which is good, that which is pure, that which is lovely, that which is of good report. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't focus on all the evil. Don't look at all the corruption. Don't focus on the financial tragedy, the downfall. I've got a guy that told me one day, he said, Preacher, you better go put all your money and buy up all the gold. And I said, well, what am I going to do when we go? He said, bury it somewhere. I said, boy, that's a good idea. I need to get me about three cases of green beans too and put them under the house. And a double barrel shotgun with a lot of ammo so I can protect my gold and my green beans. I'm saying, are you crazy? What kind of a crazy world have we gotten to? I, I'm not going to go that direction. I, I'm just not. You're not going. You're not going to push me off that wagon. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to pray always. I'm going to. I'm going to determine to rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to determine uh, to uh, to pray with prayer and supplication 
Let my requests be made known to God. And here's what he says. And the peace of God shall garrison your heart and mind. It's, it, it's going to, God will put a, He'll put a stronghold around us. And He'll sustain us to look to Him and to look forward. And, and I'm going to tell you, you say, well, will it make any difference? Will it fan the flame? This is the only thing that will possibly fan the flame. But it's real and it's personal. And He said, that which you have seen in me and heard from me, do it. Put it into practice. You know what God does? He encourages the encourager. He helps the helper. He gives to the giver. Because that's God's way. This stuff that we got right here in this book, if it doesn't work, if I can't put it into practice, I just will throw it out the door. Amen? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Pray with thanksgiving. You know why we don't rejoice any more than we do a lot of times? It's because we don't we haven't learned and we're not learning to be thankful for the practical, everyday, small gifts of God. Learn to have a thankful attitude. Hallelujah. It's been old. I think I heard it whenever I was a teenager. I've never forgot it. The man said, I complained about not having any shoes till I met a man who had no feet. Isn't that true? We're blessed, folks. God's going to see us through. Promised He would. If my life, if He decides that I'm going to be in a fiery furnace, I can prove a vital testimony in that furnace. If he, if he approves for me to be in the middle of a storm because I can be a, a vital testimony in that storm, then I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice by faith and obedience. Lord, thank You for blessing us like You do and helping us like You do and showing us, teaching us, Lord, like You do. We thank You, Lord, for loving us and thank You for challenging us. Thank You for calling us to a higher level of walk in this world in which we live. Lord, we ask Your forgiveness so many times and You're so ready to forgive us and to bless us and to pick us up and help us on and and to put us on display, Paul said, as a spectacle, a testimony of Your reality in our lives. So help us to be just that. Thank You for this church, Lord. There such a blessing, and they live down here in Palmetto, Georgia, and sometimes where we live seems like such a small place and an insignificant thing, but Lord, you don't have any small places or insignificant lives, and Lord, uh, I just pray you'd continue to bless this church, bless Brother Jimmy and all the staff, all these that make up this church, and make it what it is as a church family. I just pray that uh, just these two or three nights that we're here, Lord, that... Uh, that you'll just bless us and continue to help us and speak to us and help us, Lord, to put this in practice, I pray, that we might truly rejoice in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing an invitational hymn this evening as always. You may be here and say, Preacher, you know, I'm not a Christian. Go ahead and stand if you would. That's okay.
You may be here and say, Preacher, I'm not a Christian yet. I don't know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I want to invite you to come and say yes to Him this evening, right here, right now. This will make all the difference in your life and especially also in eternity to come. It's a yes that we say to Him. I came to Him as an 11-year-old child. Did I understand all this Bible backwards and forwards? I hardly understood anything. But I knew that Jesus died for me. He loved me. And I knew that He would be my Savior if I would trust Him and ask Him to be so. And He did. And I'm so thankful. You may need that tonight. You may have other needs in your life. You may need just to come and pray. I don't know how God is uh, speaking to you or uh, maybe what's on your heart this night. But let's, uh, let's sing together. You obey the Lord.